0: Good morning, class. For today's history lesson, we're going to talk about someone very important, the President of the United States of America. Now, I'm sure a lot of your parents have told you that maybe one day you'll grow up to be the president. I want to let you know right now that that is a lie. Not one of you in this class will ever be president. Hello and welcome to the Almost Presidents podcast weekly coverage of the 2024 presidential election. On today's episode, after a humiliating defeat in the Nevada Republican primary to none of these candidates, Nikki Haley's sad outcast for MAGA campaign heads to her home state of South Carolina, where she's almost guaranteed to lose badly, and that's probably an optimistic way of looking at it, to the Republican frontrunner Donald Trump. Which naturally brings us to our next story, where a judge in New York orders Donald Trump and his sons Beavis Trump and Butthead Trump to pay over $350 million in penalties for fraudulently inflating the values of their business assets. And then by pure happenstance, the very next day, Trump launches his expensive new sneaker at SneakerCon, which I didn't even know SneakerCon was a thing. I feel like I'd want to check that out now, even though I'm not a sneakerhead. It's a shame no one has the money to afford them, of course, since Joe Biden tanked the economy, but we'll talk about it anyway. And next, the modern-day parallel of the worship of the golden calf from the Old Testament takes place in our nation's capital this week. That's right, folks, it's time for CPAC, where a bunch of Trump blowhards gather to pay fealty, not to a golden calf, but an orange elephant. And last, as always, Feeling the Burgum with Doug Burgum. So Kevin is out this week, so joining me to talk about these things is one of the hosts of the great history podcast, Half-Baked History. So Nick, welcome back and thanks for coming on the podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me again, Ryan. I'm happy to be here. Happy to get into all things happening in the uh the 2024 election and surrounding it.
0: Yeah, and hopefully uh hold on to our sanity while doing so. But uh yeah, I can't I can't guarantee that with this week. Uh this yeah. slate of headlines it, here.
1: It's it I feel my sanity slipping uh through the tightening grip. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. Um, so why don't we start out in South Carolina, the place where the insanity began, at least in the Civil War sense. So on Saturday, February twenty-fourth, the Republican primary is gonna take place. Just to look at some polling data as per five thirty-eight. Currently, Trump is leading, he's at sixty-four point seven percent in the polls, with Haley down at thirty-one point six percent. Honestly, the most optimistic polls show Trump ahead twenty-two points, which is pretty rough. And the sketchier polls will show him up as much as 40. So, um, (laughs) I mean, I don't really know what to do there. I think her goose is pretty well cooked and that's embarrassing in their home state. Yeah,
1: that's, that's quite a spread. And like you said, in in her home state, of course, too, like, I don't know how you sort of come back from that one.
0: No, I mean, I didn't know she was going to come back from none of these candidates that loss in Nevada. I mean, I know none of these candidates has been running a pretty good dark horse campaign. (laughs) But uh, that's a pretty rough loss nonetheless, especially when Trump isn't even on the, the primary ballot in Nevada. You you still come in second. So that's rough.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know how, like like you said, after that, even just the headline of losing to none of these candidates, I don't know how you're able to keep the race going.
0: Yeah. I do not know how she looks, her campaign staff, the press, anybody with like a straight face after that, or how anybody can look at her with a straight face after that happened. Right. But um, she said in her critiques of Trump, which she's unleashed relatively recently, which honestly, in my opinion, too little too late, um, She's said that, uh, quote, he said he's going to spend more time in a courtroom than he is going to be on the campaign trail. But let me tell you what we are going to be doing. We are going to be on the campaign trail, which I thought was kind of like, went on its face sound like a valid criticism, but we live in this fucked up simulation where I'm starting to think that Trump being in the courtroom is his best means of campaigning. I don't don't know what you think. I
1: I think you're right. No, I I think fucked up simulation is exactly right. Uh, he's, he's been campaigning from every single trial I've seen him at. I work from home a lot and I have, you know, the news on and every day it feels like I see him doing another campaign stop and it's, it's just him going into the courtroom.
0: Yeah. And I think he's doing great. I mean, uh, I think it's the new, uh, the new version of a stump speech is just that little couple of minutes he'll get when uh, he walks outside. You know, the press is there waiting for him. He can kind of walk up and say a few things about how the world is so unfair <laughs> and how uh, they're coming for you next once you you know steal classified documents and sexually assault people, over inflate your, your business assets. and He's, the, he's the only thing
1: stuff. stopping people from coming for people like you and me for that kind of stuff. <laughs>
0: I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I've been. I don't know. I might have some classified documents in this very room. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't. I don't want my ass going to jail over that. That's terrible. They're fun stuff to read with my uh, with my what do you call it? Um, my ghostwriter. That's Joe Biden. Yes. Did. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I gotta. Actually, never mind. I was gonna say I gotta give her credit, but I don't quite know what to do with this statement. So I'm just gonna make it, and we can go from there. Haley is determined to stay in the race, um, not just after South Carolina, no matter the result, but going on to Michigan, which is the next stop for the Republican primary. And then, of course, going into Super Tuesday on March 5th, Trump's national press secretary has parroted some of his language, uh, saying only a bird brain would stay in this race. (laughs) Whereas on the flip side, a Nikki Haley fundraiser has said, and this is where I kind of want to hold these quotes, maybe, you know, head to head, see what you think. This person has said, quote, some people are afraid of supporting her because of retribution with Trump. And then he went on to say, but plenty of others, quote, are saying we need a change. So I don't know. I mean, Nick, is there any truth to this? Because I feel like it's pretty clear that the overwhelming majority of the Republican Party wants Trump on the top of the ticket. And it's not because they're afraid. It's because they love Trump and they hate Nikki Haley.
1: Uh, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that there are people even in the GOP that aren't fans of Trump, but they see him as the best option to a victory this November. And I don't think they're going to back Nikki Haley no matter what she does. It doesn't matter if she's on the campaign trail. She could even go to court and try and take on uh, Trump in court appearances. It wouldn't matter. I don't think any strategy is going to win her enough support to sort of get him off of the
0: lead. No, not at all. And and I think, yeah, there's is there certainly fear there? I mean, yes, Mitt Romney pays what, five thousand dollars a day for security. Liz Cheney gets daily threats to her life, and I'm sure people who live in red states who are outspoken about Nikki Haley or Joe Biden, you know, there might be some danger. I <laughs> mean danger, yeah, no. uh, threats, you know, not not feeling safe to just publicly espouse the fact that you would like to see another candidate that's not Trump. But I think that the fact that they just love him really, really outweighs the fear.
1: Yeah, I I think you're right. I do think that there are people that do have fear to speak out against Trump or even say that he's not qualified, he's too old, whatever it might be. But at the end of the day, I think more so they're just happy that with him, they feel like he can get a win. Like they think he's a superstar. They think that he can take on the the Democrats and and he can come in for another term. And so they're going to ride that horse.
0: Right. And it's not like we're living in a time where you have to show who you vote for. Like these aren't just open polls where you have to like put your marble in the Nikki Haley jar. Like the quiet majority can speak and, uh, they've not spoken because I don't think they exist. So
1: yeah, no, I think you're right.
0: (laughs) So with that in mind, then never Trumpers, uh, in South Carolina are trying a new strategy. And I think you're going to love this Turn out The Democrats is their strategy. (laughs) So there is a, uh, never Trump or super PAC. I'm not sure if they endorse Haley or if that's just kind of their thing being opposed Mm -hmm. to Trump, they're called primary pivot. And what they're looking to do is encourage democratic as well as independent voters who did not already vote in the South Carolina democratic primary, which we had a few weeks ago um, to go ahead and cast their vote in the Republican primary. And they can do this because South Carolina uh, has an open primary. So you can vote in one or the other, not both. But theoretically, if you are someone who leans Democrat, you can vote in this Republican primary. So turn out the Democrats. That's how we're gonna beat Trump. I mean, this is where we're at. I think I think it's done. <laughs> I think yeah, it's done. no,
1: I, I think you're right. Like like you were saying, it's not even that people are scared to support Nikki Haley, just the well is dry. Um they're they're turning to hopeful Democrats or or independents who haven't made up their mind and hoping that they can do something and and make it so that it's not another, none of these candidates loss. Uh, I mean, most likely it will be a Trump loss this time, but, um, or a Trump victory, another loss for Nikki rather.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would like to see these primary pivot people perhaps make decisions in the higher halls of, of power because they somehow did get both the far left and the far right to agree on the fact that their strategy was dumb. (laughs) Like, yeah. The uh, Democratic State Party chair, this guy, Christelle Spain, said, if we wouldn't vote for Nikki Haley to be governor, why would Democrats even consider voting for her for president? (laughs) Nikki Haley has tried to distance herself from Donald Trump, but voters must not forget that she is, ready for this, she is the mother of the MAGA agenda. Oh, my God. Wow. Wow. That's that's
1: one label you do not want. The mother Mother of the MAGA MAGA agenda.
0: Jesus. Here I was thinking it was like Sarah Palin or something like that, but uh, I guess I guess I'm wrong. So, yeah,
1: she's she's the grandmother.
0: <laughs> okay, okay, I can see that. Um, this is a really ugly family tree, though. I don't really want to <laughs> continue in this vein. Let's if close you don't mind. the book
1: on that one. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, but let's just get real quick to the uh, South Carolina GOP chairman who agreed, different words, but agreed uh, with this strategy being bunk by saying quote, the South Carolina Republican presidential preference primary has the best track record in the country for picking presidents. And I'm not going to sit back and allow Democrats to tarnish our reputation. So
1: yeah, Uh, I mean, like you said, the pivot party got two of the the most extreme
0: sides to agree.
1: (laughs) It would be great to have them uh, do some bipartisan work. But I don't know that this strategy is going to pan out for Nikki.
0: No. So then that brings me to my last question about This whole thing. I mean, is there any point of Nikki Haley staying in the race? Like, and, you know, spin that however you want. Like, is there a point for Republicans? Is there a point for Democrats? Is there a point for her and her political future? Like, is there any benefit to anyone for her continuing to stay in the race?
1: I don't know that there's any political benefit for Nikki Haley. I mean, I think it's, I think her and Trump are pretty much scorched earth. I don't think that that's, uh, you're going to get any positional appointments or anything if you back out even if you back him at this point maybe personal gain maybe you know you can write a book or something else i don't know but it doesn't Mm -hmm. it seems like this would be more or less the end of like her political career i mean she's she's coming out swinging and i guess you can give her credit for that but at the end of the day it looks like she's just kind of like putting the nail in her coffin
0: yeah i mean i i I can't say i disagree i mean i'm just (laughs) yeah. I mean, the only thing that seems to make sense is that she's just kind of staying in to so see, see how much wild shit she can get Trump to say before yeah. she just drops out and endorses him anyway. But even an endorsement, I mean, based on what you're saying, and I agree, it just seems like and I think he even said it, she's out, you know, yeah. out of the Republican Party. That's it. So, yeah, I don't I mean, maybe staying in is her only option. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you you can see it with like earlier candidates who dropped out, you know, maybe someone like a Vivek, like you could see him maybe getting some sort of appointment for backing Trump and things like that. But with Nikki, she's just really like, she's made it clear she's very much not supporting him. And if she did a a heel turn and backed him at this point, I don't think anyone would be that surprised. But like you said, there's no real gain for doing that.
0: Yeah. And I suppose at one point there would be a universe in which it would make sense to put her on the ticket because I mean, she still is getting in South Carolina. Um, let me just go back up to that, you know, 31.6%, right? She's getting this constituency that Trump has not been able to get. So adding her to the ticket would theoretically at least add value. But um, yeah, I mean, definitely not what we're going to see. It's. Uh, we'll talk, um, <laughs> when we get to talking about CPAC, we'll talk about this uh, <laughs> vice presidential straw poll and uh, <laughs> people that might wind up on it. And, uh, definitely we will get more into the um, Kevin, Kevin and I always have an ax to grind with him, but Kevin seems to miss him ever since he dropped out. There's no doubt that the pool of candidates has been entertaining up to this point. <laughs> I mean, if it was a TV show, I would definitely be glued in. Um, I'm glued yeah. in as it is, but I guess just for different reasons, the horror being the primary one.
1: Yeah. I say entertainment now it will be terrifying as we get closer. <laughs>
0: Yeah, like it's one of those things where I think to myself, this is going to make a fascinating book, like a biography that comes out of Trump when this is all over is going to be fascinating. But I just I want this to be all over and uh, hopefully, hopefully in a place where we can read a biography that is objective, right? That isn't just (laughs) something that comes out that's propaganda of a uh, authoritarian regime. Yeah,
1: I second that.
0: All right. So why don't we transition now to this Trump civil fraud trial? So I'm sure you heard this result Um, in a case that was rigged, a sham. It was un-American in which there were no damages and no victims, depending on who you talk to. Um, If you talk to Donald Trump, he will uh, tell you precisely those things because that's what he said. Uh, The case in the New York Supreme Court, the Justice Arthur Angoron ordered trump and the trump organization to quote pay penalties of 354 million in what is one of the stiffest corporate sanctions in new york history the total jumps to 453.5 million when prejudgment interest is factored in but hey who's counting yeah Um, and uh, (laughs) quote and goran ruled last fall that trump and his company the trump organization according to cbs repeatedly violated state fraud law By systematically misrepresenting the value of some of his properties and his overall net worth, that enabled the business to obtain loan rates and other financial terms that they otherwise wouldn't have received, New York Attorney General Letitia James had claimed in filing a suit against Trump. So the result, in addition to the money, is Trump being barred from doing business in New York for three years, as well as his sons Don Jr. and Eric for two years, and then Don Jr. and Eric are to pay four million dollars each with former CTO Alan Weisselberg to pay one million. So I don't know about you, this case is a little bit cathartic for me. It seems like Trump has been breaking laws in terms of business in New York for as long as he's been doing business in New York. So it just seems like it's about damn time.
1: Yeah, no, it it really does. Like this has been uh one of the more interesting cases to sort of watch unfold. Uh you know, like I've talked to some people and they they say like, okay, well like At the end of the day, like, yeah, Trump's a criminal in uh, at least, you know, according to New York uh, in this fraud case. But, you know, uh, aren't other millionaires, billionaires doing similar things that they don't get penalized for? And it's like, you know, it's good to have a win for once. It's good to see a crook get slapped on the wrist and be told you can't do the thing you're doing. Um, And it makes it all the more satisfying that it's Donald Trump.
0: Yeah, and that logic is so ass backwards too. Like, aren't there other billionaires who are doing things with their business dealings in New York they aren't supposed to? Yes. And should they get in trouble (laughs) for that? Yes. (laughs) And do some of them? Yes. And should more of them also yes. Yes. Yes,
1: yes, and yes.
0: (laughs) You know, I mean, I just I I hate that. I almost like the people who just say, Well, look, you know, Letitia James, she's a Democrat, so this is a weaponization of the justice system, clearly. I almost like that better than like, oh, what about the other billionaires? Yeah. We'll get them too. We'll get yeah, them we'll, too. Yeah, we'll this, get this to is a them. good start. This, is,
1: this is the first domino. We got to start somewhere.
0: And it's funny because the way that the judge went over this, uh, in his opinion, he pretty much just sums up like exactly who these guys are. He says that Trump and the co-defendants are, quote, likely to continue their fraudulent ways, that they failed to accept responsibility, and that there were experts who testified on his behalf who simply denied reality. So, there you have it, folks. Um, he also said, in case that didn't sink in for you, that there was a quote complete lack of contrition and remorse that borders on pathological, and the frauds found here leap off the page and shock the conscience.
1: I mean, what what a great opinion, honestly, just to to read that out.
0: <laughs> I mean, if there's anything that I'm impressed with about Trump is that he will know that he is just bald faced lying. And he will stick to that lie for years. I mean, the whole whole election fraud. I mean, there's, well, that one's a tough one though. A part (laughs) of me wants to think that he actually thinks he won, but I think he knows that he didn't. And uh, he will never admit that. I I feel like you could probably like, maybe I've been watching too much 24 lately, but (laughs) you could probably torture the guy and he will say, no, 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 I won. I won that election. I think Island's it's life. one
1: of I think it's one of those cases where like he knew he lost but he's repeated it so much that he 100% believes it now. It's one of those things where it's just like no, it is I did I did win.
0: This was fraud. Right. And isn't there that quote by uh, I believe it's Joseph Goebbels, right? The Nazi Minister of Propaganda who said if you repeat a lie enough times it becomes the truth? And I guess yeah. that uh is the case even for the person who is telling that lie. Yep. <laughs> In- incredible. Um, although I've been reading Liz Cheney's book and she was writing about, I think it was it was something pertaining to Steve Bannon and somebody who was like inside the Trump organization saying that if he loses this election, he will say that it's raked like long before and even a single vote was cast.
1: Uh, okay. Yeah. So that was just sort of like potentially the, uh, the backup plan.
0: Yeah. Which makes perfect sense. And I got to say, I mean, I believe it.
1: Yeah, I mean the the guy the guy is a, a cult of personality. I mean he knows he can get away with so much just with his words. So if he if he just denies denies denies, and also it's worked out for him for decades, even yeah. before politics.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean you can't say that the guy isn't good at it. He is a incredibly skilled con man. Yes. So I did just want to acknowledge Attorney General Letitia James some of the things that she said because I just thought it was just a real uh like a boss moment here. She said, justice has been served. And she called the ruling, quote, a tremendous victory for this state, this nation, and for everyone who believes that we all must play by the same rules, even former presidents, which I thought was a nice little wink and a nod perhaps to the fact that Trump pursued that whole immunity claim, that presidential immunity claim.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's the the way you said it, a wink and a nod. It's perfect. It's not too much, you know, it's not so outlandish, but it's just something right there just on the nose a little bit of like, hey, like even if you're the president, you're not going to get away with stuff like this. And we do all need to follow the same rules. I mean, that's what America's built on. Like we're all supposed to be equal and have democracy. He should have the same punishments that you or I should if we did that.
0: Absolutely. And what I'm hoping when I don't know, perhaps we're in our 50s, and enough time has passed, you know. And we're looking back, we, we pick up the, you know, the crazy, you know, Trump biography at Barnes Noble. If oh, hopefully that store still is in business, <laughs> it's just that, you know, what that was a crazy time. He was a horrible person, but he tested our institutions, and ultimately, our institutions held and they proved exactly what, what you and what Letitia James are saying that everyone is accountable to follow the, the law, and when they break the law there are consequences for that. And no one is above the law. doesn't matter if you were president. All right. So moving on from that, it should come as no surprise then that a day later, Trump showed up at SneakerCon to launch the coolest thing since Trump NFTs. And of course, those are Trump sneakers. And honestly, I think Letitia James could use this as yet another prime example of inflated assets if she wants to, because at least for the the Golden Shoes, he's charging $399 for a pair. <laughs> yeah. The launch was impeccable. I love that it was in Philadelphia. Um, mm-hmm. and somebody said, because he drew a couple booze um when he was announcing this, that he kind of, I think the quote was that something along the lines of like, hey, he's got some guts to do something like that in Philadelphia. They would boo God in that city. I was like, "Ah, oh, that's kind of true. That's, that's kind of true, true. Yeah. The Philadelphians. There's always going to be one boo. Yeah, I mean they destroyed their own city when the Eagles won, right? So. Yep.
1: <laughs> I just can't even imagine being. The, I've never been to SneakerCon. I'm not a sneakerhead myself, but I can't imagine being there. And it's like, hey, there's a surprise guest. Here they come, and it's Donald Trump dropping what he thinks are like the sickest kicks of all time. Yeah.
0: I mean, I got to say, I wish that I was there for that. Yeah. Just to
1: to see it in the room.
0: (laughs) Like you wouldn't hear me boo. You wouldn't hear me like cheer. I would just be sitting there just watching like, what the hell is going on here? Like, how is this going to go down?
1: I feel like it's like, it's like a fever dream. Like, like I just wouldn't put all those words in the same sentence.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I can imagine like even being up close to him and just seeing like, as he's holding the shoe. Just when he takes his fingers away, they're still gold spray paint. Like they literally had just fucking, <laughs> you know, made these backstage. <laughs> oh
1: my God, it'd be amazing. <laughs> like that's
0: how evident the freaking con is. Yes. Yeah, so the way he announces this, he has this really shitty speech where he, I think he starts by saying, um, quote, Sneakerheads, you're sneakerheads, right? Does everybody in the room consider themselves a sneakerhead? Which I love because it's almost like he's checking, like, hey, this is sneaker con, right? Like I'm running the right con in the right place. Like I know next week I'm going to be launching the Trump cinematic universe, but like, this is sneaker con, right? Like I'm not at the wrong place. Like, right. Well, con?
1: <laughs> do you think he has to do that now ever since the mess up with the, uh it wasn't the concession speech. What was it? The thing that Giuliani booked and they were out front of like the wrong place. Oh
0: man. I it wasn't love like that. a four yeah, seasons, yeah, it was a Four Seasons, but a landscaping company. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And it's like, <laughs> that was so great. Maybe ever since then, he's got like PTSD. Every room he goes in, he's like, "This is the right room, right?"
0: <laughs> Hell, I mean, I would. <laughs> but I, I will say that Rudy Giuliani's done a lot of things wrong. But the fact that he just rolled with that—oh, <laughs> yeah, good for him.
1: Yeah. Like, all, right, like, all right. All
0: right. This is where the podium is. This, all right. I guess we fucked up, or maybe we didn't. <laughs> I don't know. But here I am. The election was stolen. Everybody.
1: i can't believe he put out three pairs
0: yeah can we talk about these pairs of shoes so god i i hate when we have to do this but i guess i'll put them up on our instagram when this episode comes (laughs) out but not as a promotion of the shoe we're all laughing here right people um so i wanted to look at these with with you so did you want to start out with the the red wave so what are we looking at here definitely not what happened in 2022 we're talking about the shoe here Yeah, no, (laughs)
1: definitely not a red (laughs) wave. Yeah, I mean, so they're athletic. They look like just standard athletic shoes that you might get anywhere else. I the the forty five isn't even like even on them. Oh yeah, (laughs) oh yeah, the five's a little bit higher. (laughs) It's like lifted. I don't know what that's about. I don't know. Maybe these are prototypes. Like hopefully. But yeah, I mean, they, they've we've got a giant T on the one side. We've got the forty-five with the wing on it, and of course an American red flag or red, white, and blue flag. I, I mean, I like red, but not this.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that I mean, good point with the numbers there. Yeah, that's ridiculous. But the T is just so tacky.
1: Yeah, it it doesn't look good. It's it's like. Very blocky. I mean, a T is all you know, straight sides, but it's very blocky for a T. And like,
0: I don't know, the shoes just—they're not doing a whole lot for me. All right. How about the POTUS Forty Five here? So same shoe, essentially. It's white. Uh, the T is gold, which for me, all right. You know, now we're talking Trump. It's gold. Okay. Yeah. Uh, same forty-five with the wing on it. I don't know. These POTUS Forty Fives—they're just not doing it for me in the sense that I wear sneakers to do sneaker things you know what i mean so like yeah. a white shoe is just never gonna work for me like it, it, it'll it get dirty really quickly and uh if i'm paying these are like 200 bucks plus i imagine shipping and handling and some other sneaky con man fees i i'm gonna ruin that shoe in a day i don't want the responsibility of wearing that shoe out and just trying to like dodge every single like puddle you know anybody who's yeah. carrying a drink you know just dodging them so
1: yeah no i mean like you know, if you have white shoes, you want to take pride in them, keep them clean. These aren't the shoes I want to try and keep clean. They they look like ankle socks to me. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm not, not a huge fan. I, I can't lie, POTUS 45 is a great name, but I'm not going to buy these shoes. <laughs> There's no shot. No. Like, POTUS I, 45 just sounds like a shoe.
0: <laughs> I do think that he, yeah, I, I I definitely agree with that. I think that he should have gone farther with these i mean i think the never surrender high top which we'll get to next goes i think as far as you need to with these but he's not 45 he's 45 and 46 right i mean that's what all these people are saying joe biden's not my president which you know politics doesn't work like that but still it should say 45 slash 46 and you know (laughs) what if you're gonna put the numbers on as shittily as that what do you care just throw a slash you know 45 on there um,
1: put, put one on each side, you know, like
0: <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, the the top is kind of messing me up. Ever since you said it looks like an ankle sock. Yeah. That's all I'm seeing.
1: It's just it's just too ridged. It looks just like a sock.
0: It's yeah, too much. I don't know if that's the point or not. I mean I mean the tread looks decent. Floors of the Capitol are pretty slippery. Um <laughs> so, <laughs> definitely good for maybe the next January sixth.
1: Yeah, Whereas- for sure.
0: Whereas the high tops you might wear after the insurrection is successful. So yeah. what do we got with these high tops? Definitely less uh, for running around and storming the capitol, more for more for showing off what you got.
1: Yeah, these these are a statement piece. You don't break them out of the closet for anything. Like you said, you know, if if the insurrection successful, if if Trump somehow wins a lawsuit, you, you bust these bad boys out.
0: I think it was a huge mistake to offer a high top shoe that's gold like this. And not have it light up,
1: right? I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I mean, what are you doing?
0: I mean, light up shoes should not just be for kids. We see adults walking around with Crocs that have gibbets on them. Like we can have adults walking in this shoe and have it light up red, white, blue. Obviously,
1: make it play uh, the national anthem
0: with know? every step. With every yeah. step,
1: or uh, or license Gloria. He loves that
0: song. Yeah, you could have <laughs> you could have Mike Lindell uh, provide the cushioning. You know. From, uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm sure he's got plenty left over
0: so I just want to give you a sense of how much of a con this is so if you go to the website for the shoe which I don't encourage you to do I did it for you um, okay you know, all good <laughs> this is just such an obvious ploy to take people's money that when you go on the website the high tops are all sold out and then the other shoes you can buy them but they're made to order and you won't get them they said until may or august of 2024 i, I could even read you from the website how like fine print the language is but i'm sure people who are buying these aren't necessarily reading that and, and i feel bad like i mean you're kind of being taken advantage of but uh on the website when you go to check out it says trump sneakers are expected to start shipping june slash july 2024 for the gold high tops and the potus 45 white knit and red wave knit are expected to ship in july august 2024 Then here it goes on to say shipping and delivery dates are estimates only and cannot be guaranteed. We are not liable for any delays in shipments. Your order will ship as soon as it becomes available. So the earlier you buy, the quicker it will ship. (laughs) AKA I need money right fucking now. Give it to me. Like,
1: I I don't know if you've checked the news lately, but I could really use you buying a shoe.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And maybe you'll actually get it. Maybe you won't. Depends on how these cases will go. Um, if you haven't contributed, you should also contribute to the the GoFundMe to pay my legal bills. Um, here's a link to direct you to that. But yeah, I mean, what a huge con! I mean, at least this time he's
1: offering. I'm, again, you may never get it, but he's offering something physical instead of the NFTs. I, I don't know true. if that counts for anything. But I mean, yeah, it's it's a massive con. This it's it's just a quick cash grab. I wouldn't
0: order a shoe that wasn't going to be. Even made until June. (laughs) Yeah, that's absurd. All right. So moving on to CPAC. I don't really want to say a whole lot about this, honestly, but I figured if you were interested just to go over the speaker list and then um, perhaps the fact that they're going to do, I think this is one of the first times they're ever doing it, a straw poll for the vice presidency, which I guess just kind of shows that it's already a foregone conclusion, at least among CPAC, that. Trump is at the top of the ticket. So of course you have Donald Trump headlining it. Elise Stefanik is going to be there. Mm-hmm. Ramaswamy is going to be there. And I mean, if you just want to keep in your head a scale of one to 10, just how <laughs> significantly does it drop with each additional name here? Uh, Jim Jordan is going to be there. I mean, this is like a MAGA yeah. con. This is MAGA con. This is, this is awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. This this is like a who's who of election deniers. You know, it's like, yeah. get your bingo cards out, start punching.
0: <laughs> like anybody who's anybody about denying the election is there. You know, don't miss it. A few kind of messed me up though. Liz Truss. Wasn't she the British uh, prime minister who was like in office as long as like, or I think like cabbages, like. Would uh, rot longer yeah. than she was an officer? Yes. There was some really like quirky, specific thing like that. Yeah, it was not in office at all. Um, J D. Vance is going to be there. I um, saw he was going to be there.
1: Yeah,
0: I think this guy is probably. I don't. I don't know why I have it out for this guy so much. Uh, or actually, <laughs> I, I really, really do. Tommy Tuberville <laughs> is going to be there. Yeah, um, that fucking asshole that you know held up military you know women who are seeking access to abortions but were stationed in red states where they couldn't get them yeah um he was holding up like funding for like national security level like of importance promotions in the military yeah can't stand that guy
1: that's just scum
0: level stuff uh future president matt gates is gonna be there um minister of propaganda steve bannon (laughs) is gonna be there um
1: i i when i saw matt (laughs) gates i was like really still we're still on that guy like (laughs)
0: Oh, we're staying on that guy. It's, yeah, it's... I know. It's terrible. Just going to rattle off a few more. Ken Paxton, Mike Lindell, Megan Kelly, Carrie Lake, and no Tim Scott. After all of that ass kissing, did they lose his invite in the mail or like what happened?
1: Uh, yeah, I don't think he kissed enough ass. It wasn't hard enough.
0: Clear, I mean, either that or he finally found a sense of shame, which uh, I highly doubt. Yeah, uh, And was like, you know what? I I think I want my dignity back. Something that I thought was interesting at the same time this is happening in DC, there's also going to be this principles uh, I think it's called Principles First Summit. Have you heard about this? No, I haven't heard about it. So there's a reason for that. But <laughs> what it is is all of the like old school kind of George W. Bush era Republicans who, you know, stood up on January 6th and said this is enough. People like Brad Raffensberger, um oh, okay. the, the people who run the Bulwark Network, uh, Adam Kinzinger, people like that. Asa Mm -hmm. Hutchinson are going to be there at this kind of like rival conference. And so I just don't know, like, which one is the Republican party? Like, is it the (laughs) one that has the name and the power? Or is it the one that has the ideas that we up until recently would associate with Republicanism? Yeah,
1: Up until like the last 10 years.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess it doesn't matter, but you just look at like, for example, so this dinner that they're having at CPAC, I guess they have it every year that honors Ronald Reagan, one of the the fathers of their their party. Although I would I would say Lincoln, but it's been a long time. Uh, <laughs> Vivek Ramaswamy is your keynote speaker. I mean, this guy, arguably the biggest isolationist among the Republican primary field, is yeah. the keynote speaker at a dinner for a guy who is all about asserting American power and influence in the world. Like what?
1: Yeah, that just doesn't track. It's like you said. I mean, I feel like. The the GOP, conservatives, whatever you call them, Republicans, they just have like an identity crisis right now. And that doesn't mean that like they're not dangerous or that they can't win. Um, they can still do all that. They just don't really know who they are or what they really want to do.
0: Yeah. And at first I thought it was a, a Trump thing, but you have this whole, I mean, Vivek Ramaswamy is living testament of it, this whole next generation of politicians that are espousing these same ideas. And I don't think when Trump goes away, which, you know, will will inevitably happen, this is going to go away. And if it does, I think it's going to take a couple of generations and I don't think it's going to get any better before it gets worse, I guess.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think, you know, as a, as a best case scenario, we don't have a Trump presidency and then he's gone. I don't think after that, all of a sudden the GOP becomes led by Liz Cheney again. Or something, you know, like, I, I think it's, yeah. it's a tumultuous road over there.
0: And that's why I almost think it's like, maybe get ahead of the curve, Liz, and start a new party. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know.
1: Yeah, e- easier said than done.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So like I had said before, they're going to have apparently a VP straw poll that's going to occur on Saturday night. So who do you think? Um <laughs> Who do you think is gonna be the one who wins that? Oh man. So uh,
1: is is it only people attending or is can they are they gonna nominate anybody?
0: I'm not sure. I was actually having a hard time finding a ton of stories about this. Like yeah. weirdly enough, the only place I like would really saw something concrete was the New York Times. But yeah, I mean I, I guess it could be somebody that's not attending.
1: Yeah, it's, it's so hard because it's like, it really does, even the people that have run against Trump and now support him, nobody stands out to me as somebody that like, Trump wants to bring along for the ride, per se. He doesn't care about DeSantis. I mean, I think he likes that Devac likes him, but I think that's about it.
0: It's just hard to kind of truly step in in his head. And figure out like, all right, at this point, what do you value in a VP? And I think it's even harder to step in the head of people who would want to be VP. Like, did you not hear that they wanted to hang the last guy? Set up a gallows outside the, but I don't know. I, I guess these people have kind of just said, you know, you know, that's, that was different. That's not going to happen to me because I'm not a traitor. But I mean, I don't know, like, I, I know that when it comes to picking people for these posts, like Trump, like somebody who comes out of central casting, as it were, you know, somebody who looks like, the way that he would envision, um whatever that is, yeah, I, like somebody he can give like a nickname. Like I remember with General Mattis, I, f- I forget what if he was, a, was was a Secretary of Defense he was posted to initially. Um, i Think so. Early early days of the Trump administration, um he was kind of fixated on like, hey, like we could call you Mad Dog Mattis. Like that would be great. Like that could be a cool nickname for you.
1: <laughs> Even just hearing him talk about stuff like that, it's like, how is this guy the president? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I, I don't know. I love this country. I really do. But I think that he really is like like only in America could we yeah. have a president like this, you know.
1: Yeah, I I think you're right.
0: <laughs> and I, and I know like there are like there are far worse leaders, you know, in the world of of course there are, but like Trump is just a uniquely American guy, you know, just this this uh this con man, you know, who wants people to think that he he came from nothing, the world's against him, but he's here and uh I mean, I guess, I don't know. I guess that's where MAGA hip hop comes from too, right? You know, that whole that whole idea of like, yeah, this guy's a gangster, you know? Oh, man.
1: Yeah, I I, I think honestly, like in terms of like who could even potentially be a VP, uh, I don't see someone like Vivek um, or, or Tim Scott getting into a position like that or even winning the straw poll. <laughs> like, yeah. I just, I don't think they have that that weight I don't think DeSantis comes back either I mean maybe he gets some sort of cabinet position or something at some point but I don't see him playing any sort of major role
0: yeah it seems like 2028 might be a little more realistic for DeSantis but I don't know I mean because he wants somebody that's a hundred percent loyal to him yeah for sure but at the same time I don't know what he gets out of these people just completely prostrating themselves in front of him. You know, like yeah. I, I think he he likes that feeling of dominance, but I don't think he wants somebody who just makes himself look that that weak and debased to be running with. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think you're right. And and also like he likes doing that himself. Like he wants to make other people feel bad. He likes being a bully. But yeah. I don't know that he necessarily wants people to think that his vice president is bullied <laughs> if that makes sense
0: all right well maybe we could stick a pin in that one um because frankly i don't want to know the answer so maybe we'll just kind of let that unfold yeah let's you know
1: let's, <laughs> let's not find out
0: <laughs> yeah all right so then why don't we wrap things up with uh our closing segment feeling the burgum with doug burgum so for those of you listening for the first time this is just a weekly segment that we close out the show with. That's an honor of a man who not so long ago stumbled out of the wilderness of North Dakota on um, a place where they actually have governors and he was the governor and he ran for president and he had this inspiring run. I'm sure you remember it well. He tore his ACL, but still made it to the first debate, persevered, had those awesome professorly caterpillar eyebrows <laughs> and, uh, wasn't ultimately able to overcome the forces of the RNC and the deep state to become president. And he dropped out and endorsed Trump. But for a little while, he had us feeling fired up, excited, and uh, ultimately angry when it all came to an end. So we kind of use this segment now just to rant about things that uh, are on our minds, whether they relate to politics or not. And uh, this week, it's going to relate to politics. Um, So this week, I got to say, I am feeling the Burgum about the reaction from the left to Jon Stewart. So <laughs> it's gonna be a little bit long. Um, so after nine years, Jon Stewart made his return to the Daily Show with a 20-minute monologue that has stirred up a lot of controversy, especially on the left. So in this monologue, which I don't I don't know about you, Nick, I thought it was hilarious.
1: Yeah, I, I actually uh I pulled it up first thing the next day and uh listened to it on, on my drive into work and uh Yeah, me laughing. So I was enjoying it.
0: Yeah, because ultimately I heard like at first out of context just clips from it and I was like, all right, like but hearing it all together, I I don't know. I I thought it was great and and then what a good way to to return to the daily show after all that time.
1: Yeah, it was it was a nice 20 minute set. I think if you haven't checked it out, it's it's worth watching its entirety and you can get it on YouTube. So
0: Yeah. And so just a little bit about the substance of the monologue. So of course he talks about politics largely jokes about how Donald Trump and Joe Biden are both unfit for the presidency due to their age and evidence of cognitive decline. And while there are moments where he gave some of the many other reasons, just a few of which are the 91 criminal charges against Trump, which kind of sets him apart from Biden in that sense. (laughs) uh, The main topic overall, I'm sure we could agree, is that both candidates are too old to effectively do the job. In reaction to this the left seemed to kind of explode um, with outrage you heard it from pundits donors political podcasters potentially even friends of yours who have just had this venomous reaction to john stewart um i think the criticism that you would hear the most was he's doing this both sidesism not even a word um <laughs> but that's fine it's i don't know i didn't see that i didn't think it was that and uh Mary Trump, um, who don't the name deceive you, um, she is trying to push against everything that her family is uh, being associated with. Has said, "Quote: Not only is Stewart's both sides of the same rhetoric not funny; it's a potential disaster for democracy." <laughs> Which is so extreme.
1: Yeah, I mean we've
0: we've had a lot of uh, near misses with
1: disasters with democracy. I'd say in the past like five to ten years. I don't think John Stewart's bit was one of them
0: (laughs) no i mean i don't think that he thinks this of himself but uh just for the record i don't think he has the power to overturn democracy no (laughs) and of course people at msnbc were pissed about it because i mean i think any shot across the bow um at biden they get pissed about which is why they kind of (laughs) suck in my opinion. uh, msnbc but a former host there said well after nine years away there's nothing else to say except that both sidesist which again not a word fraud John Stewart bashing Biden there's nothing else to say about it except please make it another 9 years so <laughs> hello goodbye <laughs> <laughs> so here's kind of where I'm I'm getting all burgumed up about this I feel like these reactions are indicative of the problem because they not only missed the distinction that Stewart clearly drew between the two candidates when he mentioned and mentioned again the criminal charges against Trump. But I would push against this narrative of both sides You know, he, he clearly shows that there's this ridiculous belief on the left, which is that it is bad to be raising valid points about Biden's age and cognitive decline, because doing so is what's going to cause Trump to win the election. And this is just something I don't believe to be true. I think it's a false equivalency, and that's being flattering with it. While I'm sick of hearing Biden's age, I'm sure you are too, it doesn't surprise me that it's a lot of what people are talking about because it's a lot of what they see. And ultimately, whose job is it primarily to dissuade voters that his age will hinder his ability to perform the duties of his office? Joe Biden, it's his job. So I understand, of course, there's a whole campaign strategy going on, um, which I think kind of sucks, but that's another Bergam rant. (laughs) Um, And there there are surrogates and there are volunteers out there making speeches and pounding the pavement. But if Joe Biden wants to be president again, Joe Biden needs to demonstrate to voters that he's capable of doing so. And just to refer right back to Jon Stewart, I think he put it even better when he said, quote, what's crazy is thinking that we're the ones as voters who must silence concerns and criticisms. It is the candidates' jobs to assuage concerns, not the voters' jobs not to mention them. Look, Joe Biden isn't Donald Trump. He hasn't been indicted as many times, hasn't had as many fraudulent businesses, or been convicted in a civil trial for sexual assault, or been ordered to pay defamation charges, or stiff blue-collar tradesmen. The states of this election don't make Donald Trump's opponent less subject to scrutiny. It actually makes him more subject to scrutiny. And I think ultimately he's right. The idea of a second Donald Trump presidency is a scary prospect. It could very well put an end to American democracy, and it will definitely 100% be dangerous. But we can't let fear of what Trump might do drive us to stifle legitimate criticism of who we're looking to put in the White House in his place. And honestly, I think with most jokes, there is a kernel of truth deep down. Mm -hmm. But Jon Stewart is a comedian. He was telling jokes. And if we allow the stakes of this election to strip us of a sense of humor, In my opinion, we've already lost. So ultimately, the beauty of comedy, at least in my mind, is the fact that it pushes boundaries and brings up topics that are on all of our minds and gets us laughing, then hopefully talking about them. And I think that's exactly what Jon Stewart's monologue was intended to do. And I think the overblown reaction to it identifies precisely what the problem is. We're all at least a little bit insecure and worried about whether or not Joe Biden is up to the job. And if you genuinely think making jokes about that fact is enough to tip the scales in this election, then what does that say about Joe Biden's strength as a candidate? Yeah, Uh,
1: I mean you you could not have you could not have put it any better, Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) I mean it. It really is. At the end of the day, you know, I know a lot of people are concerned. Like that—that's the running thing—is Joe's age, or you know, he can't string together uh, a thought. I've seen plenty of videos of Trump talking gibberish, stuff that doesn't make any sense to me. But at the end of the day, it is Joe Biden and his campaign's job to persuade people like you and I that he is up to, up to the task. Uh, we're, we're casting votes for the president of the United States, not for whoever we think can kind of do the job okay.
0: Exactly. And I just think this strategy of like hiding Joe Biden away it's obviously not going well. I mean, the guy is like, his approval rating is incredibly low. And I do think it's an uphill battle, right? You can't throw the guy in a time machine and make him younger. But there is a way to communicate the fact that, I mean, Jon Stewart pulled all those clips off of people saying that he's incredibly sharp. He knows what he's talking about. And Jon Stewart kind of joked, did anybody film that? Find a way to get that guy out there and get him out there all the time. And this is even more of an uphill battle. Talk about how his presidency has produced legislative successes that can be felt by most everyone yeah and that's not easy no it it's
1: not and i like you said you know it could be a whole nother rant about what his campaign's doing uh <laughs> to for this election and this this bid to win again but at the end of the day like the the main point i i don't feel that I feel it like the the left's reaction to John Stewart's jokes and monologue was overblown. Um like you said it it got people talking, which I think is good ultimately even if it, there's people criticizing him and saying, you know, you need to basically toe the party line and hold Biden up as some sort of god king. Um
0: yeah. you know,
1: like I think it's it's good to criticize, and also I think if we are going to be the greatest country in the world and promote democracy, like we need to hold the candidates you know responsible hold their feet to the fire and you know test out, do we think that they are up to the job because i I don't think Trump is, <laughs> but yeah. I think it's plenty fine to ask, is the other guy
0: absolutely. Well, all right, Nick, this was a lot of fun, man. I really appreciate you coming on.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We'll have to do it again sometime. Um, Yeah. So your podcast is Half-Baked History. Um, Did you want to promote what you do and tell us a little bit about what it is and where people can find you?
1: Sure. So uh, I am uh, one half of the Half-Baked History podcast. Uh, My co-host is my lovely wife, Kelsey. Uh, each episode, we indulge in some cannabis and then discuss a historical person or event. So you know, come along with us, have a great time, maybe learn something. You know, we don't typically remember them after we're done recording them, but you know, <laughs> it's it's a good time and people do learn stuff. So <laughs> I encourage you to check it out. It's a good time. Uh, just search Half Baked History anywhere you get podcasts. We're on Instagram, so love to have you guys check us out.
0: And I gotta say, I've been amazed at the Range of topics that you all have done—they've been oh, really yeah. interesting lately. The Xerxes one was fantastic. Yeah, uh, there's so many. I mean, I guess people make the mistake of thinking the 300 is a movie based on history. No, it's based on a graphic novel. Yeah. And so <laughs> when you learned about the true Xerxes, at least from like the histories of Herodotus and such, it's totally different guy. Um, yeah, very. He's actually maybe a little more sympathetic. Um, maybe not.
1: Yeah, a little bit more.
0: <laughs> and, then you, and then you folks also did Malcolm X, which is another yep. fascinating. Um, to this day, man, I, I got to be honest, still very misunderstood historical figure. Um, so yeah, it was cool to see you all shed some light on that. And uh, honestly, when you listen, it feels like you're just hanging out with some friends, yeah, getting high and talking history. Which who that's, doesn't like that's what
1: that? What we try and do. Uh, actually, I got I got a question for you because we haven't done a U.S. president yet. So if if we were to do one U.S. president, uh, who would you have us do? And our only caveat is they have to be dead.
0: Well, most of them are dead, so that's that gives us a yeah. bunch. That gives us a bunch of options. Um, yeah. Huh. Let me think. That's a tough one. Um, one that I found pretty interesting was uh, Andrew Johnson. Okay. Um, I don't. I don't always read about the best presidents. Um, sometimes it's the bad ones that I find very interesting. And he he's kind of fascinating because we kind of just view him as the guy that got impeached because mm-hmm. he uh you know was trying to depose the Secretary of War and kind of reverse the outcome of the way that radical Republicans envisioned Reconstruction going, um, which was, you know, enfranchising newly freed people, not putting them under a condition of servitude, just under a different name. Uh But he's a really interesting guy to follow through years that he wasn't president as well, because he actually remained loyal to the Union throughout the war. And I think he was one of the only Southern governors to do so. And he was governor of Tennessee, which was just kind of one of those battleground state. wasn't really union or confederate. And then he even kind of had a final fuck you, um, where after he disgracefully kind of left the presidency, I think his state uh, sent him back as either a senator or representative. So so he he kind of had the last laugh and uh, just a huge asshole. I mean, you could definitely relate some of the ways that he behaves to the way that trump behaves so he might he might be interesting if you're looking for one of the bad ones if you're looking for a good one who's i think a lot more complicated than people tend to think uh truman okay so yeah and truman might be interesting now because you know you kind of have uh kamala harris potentially in the wings you know people don't really truly know what she's capable of until she's in the office herself and the same was the case with truman so
1: yeah all right cool Thanks. Yeah, we'll definitely look into both of them.
0: Well, our man, take care. This was fun. And uh, folks, we will talk to you next week with uh, more of our election 2024 coverage. Kevin will be back and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Before you head out, feel free to subscribe and rate us. Leave a friendly comment on the way out. It really helps the podcast when you do. And if you enjoy what we're doing, you can find our Twitter or Instagram in the description below. We'll keep you updated about the show, and we'll also fill your feed with plenty of good old-fashioned memes. Follow us on Facebook as well if you're a Facebook person. Just type The Almost Presidents Podcast into that search bar. And lastly, you can write into the show. Our Gmail is thealmostpresidentspodcast at gmail.com, which
1: you can also find in the description.